From our nation's capital, this is Naps Chat. I'm gonna stand right down and write myself a letter And make believe it came from you Hi, this is Bob Levy, Director of Legislative and Political Affairs for the National Association of Postal Supervisors. And today we are privileged to have with us our national resident officers, Brian Wagner, our president, Ivan Butts, our executive vice president, and Chuck Mullador, our secretary treasury. I just want to let everyone know that Naps Chat is now available on iTunes and on Spotify. So if you want to subscribe to Naps Chat, you can do so and it will be sent directly to your mobile device or other type of uh, vehicle that you might want to use to listen to Naps Chat. So let's just start and have this conversation amongst ourselves and let our listeners listen in into our conversation. Now, Brian, the pulse of NAPS, where are we right now? What are members thinking? You guys travel around our country and you speak with our 28,000-some-odd members. What are you hearing out there in the field? Well, Bob, thanks again for having the resident officers in. But before I answer that question, I do want to take an opportunity and thank all of our veterans for the work they've done and their dedication and commitment to serving our country. I know we just celebrated Veterans Day, and I want to do that on behalf of NAPS, thank our veterans, and thank our current, uh, you know, um, people in the Army, the Reserves, you know, the Marines, all our, um, you know, military personnel for all they do for us. You know, and again, many of our members are veterans, and we appreciate all they do, and we do hear from them. I think the biggest thing right now is our members are still wanting to know about the lawsuit that we filed back in July. Post Office did make a response to our lawsuit, which they uh, basically said they wanted it dismissed. However, we are preparing our response to that, and we will have that response coming up at the end of the month, and then we'll see what's going to happen once we file our response and then what the courts will do with that. But that's one of the biggest things our members want to know, uh, where we're at with the lawsuit. It is pending. We are making a... uh, a response to the Postal Service's uh, request to dismiss, and then we'll go from there. Right. Now, Chuck, you know, you're going, when you're going out in the field also, you're hearing about these issues, the lawsuit and so forth. You know, membership is still a very, very key issue. This lawsuit is an our advocacy on behalf of our members, both in court and, as Ivan will speak about shortly, on Capitol Hill, is a sort of incentive to become not only a member but an active member of NAPS. Yeah, absolutely, Bob. And again, thanks for having me and us back on the podcast. We enjoy it. I think the lawsuit, and I and I do believe I'm seeing this in my travels across the country, is the lawsuit has become a great recruiting tool for us. And really, why shouldn't it? I mean, organizationally, if you're an EAS in the Postal Service, and we have fall mailing season is drifting into peak season right now we know the everyday challenges of just being a supervisor and manager postmaster whatever your position in the postal service is there's only one organization right now that's fighting for eas for all eas for pay for their benefits for their work life and that's naps so anybody that is wondering about joining NAPS, I think the lawsuit speaks for itself, and it's a great recruiting tool, and we should be talking about that. People that are members of NAPS today 
need to go out and highlight to the non-members that we have that NAPS is the organization that's fighting for them. And not only do we say we're fighting for them, we backed it up with DEED, which was filing a lawsuit in federal court on behalf of all EAS and the Postal Service. Now, Ivan, one of the key activities that we're involved in and that uh, you are personally involved in is educating our members, NAPS members, about the legislative challenges ahead. We use the legislative training seminar that's coming up in now, four, four plus months from now. So people sh should start planning for that uh, event. How does that translate? LTS, legislative education in an election year, all sort of come together at LTS and how we're preparing for it. Yeah, thanks, Bob. That's a great question. Um, so really what we're looking to do is actually start getting prepared for our 2020 LTS and do things a little differently than we have in the past years um, with going up to the Hill and preparing to go up to the Hill. But first, uh, LTS is scheduled for March 8th through the 11th of 2020 at the Crystal Gateway Marriott, as always. Uh, registration is open, uh, actually will be open today, online registration only, as we have been doing for the past year. It's working out very well for us, uh, making the process uh, more simplified for you out in the field. So you can start going online today to do your registration for the LTS. Uh, one alert uh, for us in looking at LTS, our non-denominational worship service that we have uh, every Sunday will, will actually be moved to um, 9 o'clock in the morning uh, so we can make way for the reef laying at Arlington National Cemetery, which will be 12.15 in the afternoon uh, this year. So uh, legislatively, and what we're looking to do and what we're looking to tie in is we've been, and I've been talking to people out in the field as I've been going around is talking about um, what do we, what, 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 how do we change Title 39? Um, we've talked about and we heard uh, Lewis Atkins and other leaders talk about Title 39 not having teeth. And so that's one of the things that I'm sure you know, Bob, me and you have talked mm -hmm. about it uh, with Bruce is, is what does that mean? Title 39 doesn't have teeth. So we, we kind of we're looking at our initiative that's going to be centered around um, timeliness, transparency and accountability. Uh, the timeliness that we go into uh, uh, prepare for pay consultations, the transparency of the data we receive uh, in, in, in from the Postal Service and then the accountability of the Postal Service to enact uh, uh, recommendations if we were had would have to go to a fact finding panel. So we're gonna we've been working as you again as you know Bob we've been going up in the hill working with uh, um, Representative Connolly's staff and the late Representative uh, Elijah Cummings and his his team um, just uh, discussing that and going over those points. So hopefully our push is going to be that hopefully we can get a bill introduce on that on these very subject matters and we'll be pushing that up on on the hill when we go up to LTS just as we will hopefully with the MSPB legislation uh, that we will have I, again for me it was very disappointing that we we saw no postal reform legislation this year uh, and and so we really don't know where that fate is uh, going into next year but if we have some legislation that we can support 
uh, for postal reform, then we certainly will be discussing that also. Yeah, Brian and I were just talking about this in, uh, a couple of minutes ago, and that is the ability to chew gum and walk at the same time. It appears that with all the attention provided to the impeachment inquiry, it's become very difficult for Congress as a whole. The House might on its own be able to pass legislation, but Congress, as I say, the House and the Senate together to sort of address very important issues that affect our members. Whereas, in contrast, for NAPs, sure, we're concerned about and we have attention to uh, issues with regard to Title 39, particularly with the consultative rights legislatively and through the lawsuit, but we're able to sort of conduct the business on behalf of our members while at the same time taking up issues that are legislatively and uh, through the court legal system dealing with issues that are important to our members. So, Brian, you know, how are we able to walk and chew gum at the same time. We're very talented. Um, to be honest with you, when we look at the elephant in the room, we know that the the lawsuit that we have pending with the Postal Service is is very important. But business at NAPS does not stop. Even, you know, we're still having our monthly consultatives with the post office. We're still having briefings with regard to a change in maybe a program or an operation. We're still meeting with postal leadership, whether it's at the headquarters or even in the field at the area or the district levels. You know, those are some things. NAPS doesn't stop doing business because this is happening. We still have Title 39. We still have business to do, not only in making sure the post office is successful, but giving the post office the suggested ideas, solutions to make them successful through the NAPs and our members who are out there in the field doing it. So we continue to move forward. Again, we have certain things we look at, and right now we're looking forward now to 2020 on what we need to do on the legislative side uh, with the national convention coming up and still continue the business at hand on making sure our members are receiving the fair and paid benefits that they fairly deserve. Yeah, now, you mentioned the national convention coming up. What plans are going uh, on right now in preparation for our national convention in uh, Grapevine, Texas, correct? Grapevine, Texas, correct. Uh, it's August 17th through the 21st. Now, right now, we have on the website that you can sign up for committees, the request committees, and send in your credentials. Uh, you can either go online and register for a national committee, or you can print out a, a paper form and mail it in. So we're doing the current uh, requests for committees. They'll be selected by uh, August, uh, I'm sorry, April 20th of 2020, and then we'll soon be having the online registration happening probably in mid-January, even though we want to get LTS off the ground, which we are starting today. So with that, uh, we will be messaging out more um, about what to expect at the National Convention. Uh, we try to keep it uh, pretty traditional with uh, our delegates' reception, a golf outing, you know, the tours on Wednesday, the free day, um, and our grand banquet. So a lot of things happening. Sure. Like, it's interesting. I listen to Ivan when we talk about LTS versus the convention. There is a distinction between those two NAPS events. I know working with Ivan, at least last year, for my first year here, LTS, we're all business. They're, we're all business, and we pay— and we. And we also give reverence to our uh, those who gave their lives by our uh, ceremony over Arlington National Cemetery. Convention is somewhat different. It has a broader jurisdiction. We're dealing with resolutions, and we're also dealing with putting, letting our hair down a little bit. Well, we still have business 
to do, but we also want it to be fun for the members. And I think the Gaylord Texan will bring that fun with regard to beautiful venue. There's a water park. Uh, we're anticipating a very nice uh, uh, Monday night reception, a lot of fun for our, our members and our delegates and guests. I guess those who have hair to let it down. <laughs> Just, no pun. Don't don't bump me, guys. But anyway, uh, but, we're, but we're working. Both, both Ivan and Chuck are giving the elbows to yeah, Brian at this moment. When you're this sure, they keep missing. But one of the things is we have a, a great host committee out there, um, out in, the, in the group of uh, Texas branches from the Dallas to Fort Worth to the North Texas and to the Waco. So it's a team effort. So we're anticipating. Um, an, another excellent convention, and uh, we just appreciate everybody uh, taking the time. And uh, with 2020 coming up, uh, leap into action and uh, s- you know sign up for the national convention when it comes available. Sure. Now, Ivan, let's move to the LTS a second, and I, I want to just make an observation. A lot of folks out there, maybe postal supervisors, maybe other postal employees, maybe the American public itself, are not familiar with the issues that are important to universal service and that issues that are important to universal service as it affects the postal service, which is going to be a major issue, I think, um, over the next couple of months, particularly we're we're going to be, we're looking for a new postmaster general. I mean, the Board of Governors is. There is a Board of Governors that's not fully operational. They don't have a full complement right now. And so the LTS takes this added dimension in an election year and with postal uncertainty. So while we want to be edu- we want to educate people, educate our own members, how do we accomplish that end in this time of postal uncertainty, political uncertainty? Well, uh, Bob, I think I, I would hope that you know most of our the members that we have that listen to your podcast understand where we are and and, and have seen um, the things that have transpired over the years as far as uh, our, our push and our efforts legislatively up on the Hill, I think it really kind of still forms around uh, two things, and that's our, our, our service. You know, we've, we've, we've been saying for years that we are a service uh, for the American people constituted by the United States Constitution. I think one of the things that we know uh, we know is that we're we're going through this change with the new PMG coming in. You're right. We do have we don't have a full complement of board of governors, but they do have a quorum now. We understand that you know uh, they're they're more a business mind board, uh, uh, and and the fact that we have a new PMG search that's being made currently by Steve Mnuchin. So we know these things that are transpiring. But we also know um, by the by the firm commitment of the le- legislators that you guys have been reaching out to that our legislative House and Senate uh, had, do not have a stomach for the privatization of the Postal Service. They do not have a stomach for less than six-day delivery. They do not have a stomach for less than door-to-door delivery. So we have st- staunch, steadfast support from our legislative leaders to the commitment of the mission of the Postal Service, which is to deliver America's mail uh, six days a week to every door uh, by United States Postal Service employees. So I think we, we will frame, we frame whatever we do around that, that, that foundation 
of, of support that we have built uh, through our legislative contacts with legislators over the years that support this, the Postal Service uh, 100%. So. Yeah, Chuck, talking about delivering to America, one of the issues that's coming up, I mean, that our folks are very familiar with, the Christmas and holiday mailing season is about to start, if it hasn't started already. Uh, people are starting to order online and so forth. How are our members sort of uh, coping with, you know, this influx now and with increased competition? I just was just noticed today that UPS is now going to be marketing flat rate boxes. I mean, there's going to be a lot of competition. We're hoping to get a big chunk of that and to keep a, a chunk of the market, the, the majority of the market, despite competition. But there's going to be – how do our postal managers – deal with uh, the mail system, the, ma the increased mail flow? Well, the, the competition, truthfully, when you're out there in the trenches and, and the people that are listening to this understand that, and the plants and the uh, customer service units, even the support folks that often have to get out of their offices and go into the units and work and help, and they do gladly. Um, the issues around competition from UPS or Amazon or the marketing campaigns are kind of not something they probably focus a whole lot of their time on because they're inundated with parcels, with mail volumes, with weather conditions, with the vehicles that won't start, with not enough employees to deliver and process the mail. All the things that our EAS deal with pretty much on an everyday basis and somehow manage to move the country's mail every single day in spite of some obstacles that are often thrown up by the Postal Service itself, we still manage to get the job done. And, you know, we've been doing peak season. I've been around 33 years, and it went on a whole lot before I did it, and it'll go on a whole lot longer after I'm gone, and our people know what to do. One of the things that I've said many, many times, just let us do it. Let us do what we know how to do. Quit giving us these redundant reports Silly reports, information that's already available through a variety of electronic sources that someone decides that they need in a spreadsheet. Let us concentrate on moving the mail because that's what we know how to do. And at the end of the day, when Christmas is over and peak season is over and we move into the, to the, the, the depth of winter and into the spring, and the mail has all been delivered, and it'll be another successful peak season, as they often are. I'll look back and say, you know, it was a credit not only to the carriers and the clerks, who absolutely deserve some credit, but to the EAS who moved the mail. And then what happens at the end of all that is they'll face another year, unless some changes are made in how they get paid, where their contributions to the movement of the mail at this time of the year are not rewarded very well by the Postal Service. And that gets back to where we started from, what Brian mentioned, the lawsuit. Making sure that our EAS are compensated adequately for the function they provide the American people in the movement of their mail. And it's highlighted during fall mailing season. It's highlighted during peak season. And it'll be highlighted next year during political mail season. What we do every day will be highlighted in those events. And... You know, it's just really time that we find someone, maybe in the new hierarchy at the Postal Service when that takes over next year, but someone who wants to work with us to develop a fair, 
compensation system for our EAS that recognizes the value they bring to the delivery of the nation's mail every single day. Chuck, you, you reminded me of something, and I'm going to pass. I'm going to ask Ivan to respond to this. Uh, yesterday, Steve Sean, the uh, Maryland state president, and I had the opportunity to, to meet with Jamie Raskin. It's Congressman Jamie Raskin of Maryland, who sits on the House Oversight and Reform Committee, and we were talking about vote by mail. And today, I I had the opportunity to meet with uh, Congresswoman Small, Congresswoman Small Torres of New Mexico, where they had a mail vote in Albuquerque uh, earlier this year. But what's interesting about the Rockville issue, the Rockville situation, and that is a municipal election, it doubled the voter turnout in Rockville, Maryland. Mm -hmm. Small electorate, totally vote by mail, doubled it. Let's talk about this. We, we, you know, in the midst of everything, we sort of sometimes forget about the importance of mail to the political process and how it can become more important. It's secure, it's safe, it's reliable. Yeah, you're right, Bob. You're totally right. And that really kind of goes into what Brian was saying about, you know, the work of work that we do up here has to continue on despite the lawsuit, the fight that we're doing with pay for pay for uh, EAS. So we, we, we started this initiative earlier and um, in the year with a group from New Mexico, uh, Joel Wadsworth and Frank Galanos, uh, working with the state level, uh, trying to uh, get some for feeling out there for vote by mail in New Mexico. They had some initial meetings uh, with, with the Secretary of State um, there uh, because you have to get that buy-in. We had some positive conversations, and they're going to be circling back to that. Um, it's good that you mentioned that, you know, you you, you and Steve were met with uh, Congressman Raskin and that Merlin has explored it. One, that's one that w what they saw in that, 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 that localized election is what we see in the states that have gone vote by mail. You see an increase in voter participation, you see more more security in the vote and, and and then more inclusiveness in the process. So again, vote by mail we feel is really the way to go and we'll obviously be looking at uh, ways to uh, push that forward up here at DC as well on the, on, on the local and state level. We understand the challenges. I don't think we really understood the challenges all these years we talked about vote by mail. But the real challenge is, is, is the getting that local buy-in from the state level uh, uh, to really uh, get, that, get that moving. So we'll keep moving on through that initiative. Uh, one thing I'd like to add to what, what Chuck said, we even talked about a little bit today at our consultative, uh, and we, when we're talking about MPA, uh, we have an issue out there with AAU scanning, uh, where a new process was rolled out this last weekend. And we're understanding, we're hearing from around the country that had devastating impacts to scanning failures. So, you know, we, we opened the discussions with, with headquarters on uh, getting data to kind of track and, and figure out what's going to be a mitigation process uh, for this. But on the local level, you guys need to, need to stay up. We have said this in years past. You need to stay up on your MPA scorecards. You need to be making sure you're, you're, you're copying them and holding on to them monthly for possible mitigations at the end of the year. Um, so, you know, uh, just, just a word for our MPA. Let's do what we can do uh, on our level while we'll fight up here, continue to fight up here at the headquarters level. 
One of the issues that we've recently sort of brought out and sort of highlighted was H.R. 2382, uh, legislation introduced by Congressman DeFazio from Oregon, which would strike from the current law the requirement that the Postal Service pre-fund future retiree health liabilities. Right now, it has 274 co-sponsors. To understand the magnitude of the number of co-sponsors, 218 is a majority in the House of Representatives. The, two, the, the magic number is 290, which would enable the, uh, the, the sponsor of the bill, Congressman DeFazio, to have the bill entered on what's known as the consensus calendar, which means it would come out come up for a vote on the floor of the House of Representatives. So, Ivan, we have, I mean, actually 16, co- 16 co-sponsors that we need to reach that 290. Sent emails out to all our the folks that we have emails. We've noticed our uh, national officers. We've noticed our state presidents. At this point in time, they need to really put their sort of pedal to the metal and get the last those last 16 co-sponsors out there. Well, Bob, it's pretty simple, right? Uh, you look at your October postal supervisor, you're going to see a, a report card for your, your your congressional leaders, right? So you go to the column that has H.R. 2382 and check and see. Check and see if your legislator has signed on to that bill. If that legislator has not signed on to that bill, give him a call. Call his office, call his local office, or you can call up here, call the switchboard. And, and, and call and, and tell him that you would like his support for H.R. 2382, which is to repeal the, the, the pre-funding of retiree benefits uh, for, the, for the Postal Service. As Bob said, you know, this is where we're 16, vote, 16 supporters short from, from being able to bring this bill uh, uh, directly to the floor. Uh, so... Uh, we sent out the email. Hopefully, you guys got it. The state presidents, state led chairs, and um, we have employ- also employed our, our executive board to help drive this initiative. So, again, the tools are, are right there. They're on the website. Take a look at it, and let's try to get these last 16 on board so maybe we can get this legislation uh, passed before the end of the year. Last issue, and this is to Brian. As we, uh, whenever you're on the show, on the Naps Chat, we have to ask you, what is the ice cream flavor of the day? Well, Bob, thanks for asking. You know, being that it is uh, November, and we did have an opportunity to thank our veterans. We know November is also the Thanksgiving month of a holiday, so it would only be fitting to have pumpkin pie as the flavor of the day. So pumpkin pie on the flavor of the day. Excellent. I just want to let everyone know that it will be our custom on Naps Chat, and I'm going to let our national officers know that on a monthly basis, we're going to try to get you together to be able uh, to enable our members to listen in to a conversation we have amongst ourselves. I want to remind our listeners that you can now subscribe to Naps Chat on iTunes and on Spotify, or you can go to the Naps website and listen also. With that, until next week, have a great weekend. I'm going to right down and write myself a letter and make believe